Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. I am your host, Al D, and the author of MBA Insider. This podcast is for career-driven professionals looking for advice on how to grow their careers by leveraging the skills, experiences, and knowledge gained from an MBA degree. In each episode, I'll give you a look into the business school experience, along with practical tips, career advice, and real-life stories to help professionals grow their careers. Welcome back to the MBA Insider Podcast. Uh, my name is Al D. I'm your host, and I'm excited today because I have Julia Silbergeld, who is a Haas MBA from the class of 2015. And uh, what we're going to talk about today are, um, first, we're going to start talking about relationships in business school, but then we're going to also talk a little bit about um, how that transitions to after business school. And then finally, um, we're going to talk about something that Julia and um, one of her friends has started, um, which I think is uh, really awesome and really great, uh, particularly in this time of COVID-19, called the Quarantine Love Project. And so um, let's just dive in. So um, Julia, thank you so much um, for joining with me today. I'm excited to have you here. Um, maybe just to start, uh, because this podcast is about business school, talk a little bit about your experience at Haas, um, you, know, uh, you know, why you chose to go to business school, and you know, maybe a little bit of just about your experience and your time uh, when you were there. Sure. And I'm really excited to be on the podcast. Um, so I decided to go to Haas. I had been in the nonprofit sector, working in HR um, for eight years. I had been at one organization and I really was struggling to think about my next career step. And I really wanted to think outside of like exactly the kind of organization I was in and the kind of role I was in. And I wanted the support and structure um, to really explore different paths and figure out how to how to navigate major career decisions. Um, and part of the reason I chose Haas in particular is that coming from a nonprofit background and going into, I knew that I would probably longer term either go back into the nonprofit sector or do something social impact related. It was really important to me to find a school where I felt like that was represented both in the school's values and that there would be enough people in my class that I shared values with and shared career interests with. Um, you know, your, your classmates are, are your network. And so um, if, if you want to do something that's totally different from most of the rest of your classmates, it's, it's challenging to get as much support. So, yeah. That's great. And um, on that notion, just, you know, kind of in your experience um, at Haas, um, one of the things which you mentioned is just about the notion of the network and the people. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm just curious, your time in business school and particularly at Haas, you know, what was your experience like in terms of the network and um, not just the network, but just, um, you know, being getting the chance to, uh, you know, be in class every day, you know, mm -hmm. with a, a group of peers, right? And to work in study teams, right? Or to work in group projects or to have to recruit together, yeah. uh, work in student organizations together, to lead initiatives together. You know, what was that experience like being able to engage uh, with uh, all your MBA classmates for that two-year period of time? Yeah. I mean, it was really great. And it was also just really fun, um, which I, I think I sort of knew before business school, but having had a lot of close friends go to other kinds of grad programs I didn't quite anticipate like how much of my classmates would be my experience and also how, how fun business school would be. Um, 
I mean, my, I was just really in awe of my classmates, really smart people, very driven, and again, like very strong commitment to social impact. Coming from the nonprofit sector, I was sort of nervous, even going to Haas, that like, would I, would I find people who, um, who looked at my background and like didn't understand why I was in business school, but instead... I found people who were interested in education and interested in sustainability and people who wanted to go into healthcare. And um, I actually have very, very few friends and classmates who went into more traditional fields like um, consulting or financing, but that's actually like not a majority of the, of the class, but lots of people went into sort of interesting small startups or started their own companies. Um, yeah. So it was just really fun and definitely you know, business school is incredibly collaborative, to your point, study teams, leadership of uh, campus organizations. I also was in leadership of a cross-grad program organization, so also met, met a lot of people who I'm still close friends with who were either in Haas, Haas is well-known for its um, evening and weekend MBA program, so I met people in that program. I have close friends who are in the policy school or other schools. So both across my program and across Berkeley in general, just met really incredible people. Yeah, for sure. And I think at least um, uh, going, having gone to um, UNC Kingdom Flagler, which shares some similarities with Haas in the sense of number one, just size of the class, right? Mm -hmm. um, roughly around in the same ballpark of the same size in the sense of less than 300 students per class. And what I found is, is in, in that case is that uh, it is does give. I mean, you kind of do get a chance to know everyone by name, at least in theory, right? And yeah. in some cases, even more than that, right? In terms of just getting to know everyone. Uh, mm -hmm. But the other element of it too is both Berkeley and Chapel Hill, in their own respects, are college towns, right? And yeah. so there's a certain element, a certain fabric of you know Berkeley that's in Haas, or maybe Haas that's in Berkeley, or however yeah. you want to say it. Um, and so I found that to be um, just an almost like a an, uh, even more of a facilitator of relationships in that regard, because in a lot of ways, you know, it's, um, you know, you go there to be a part of that community, right. Mm -hmm. To, to build those relationships and to get yeah. to know those people. So um, that was, yeah, that was just something that, that jumped out. Um, in particular, is there anything where you found yourself spending a lot of time in with other people that uh, either that really resonated or that you felt that where you really got a chance to really cultivate those strong relationships with your classmates or peers? Yeah. Yeah. There were a few settings, um, but two that immediately come to mind. Um, one was a class I took called um, social lean Launchpad. So Berkeley is well known for a lean Launchpad class that it has. Um, that's, you know, how to quickly sort of figure out a business plan and a business design. This one was specifically focused on social impact, either nonprofits or businesses. Um, and it was a huge time commitment. We spent probably, you know, 10 to 15 hours a week outside of class working on this business idea we had, going out into the world, talking to customers. Um, and I am very close with some of the people who are on my team. Um, you know, and we were pretty much, none of us wanted to actually launch that business at the end of the semester, but we were ready to launch the business if we had wanted to go live, which was pretty incredible. Um, so that is one setting. And then I'm trying to think there, I mean, there are a number of other settings where I just worked really closely with people. Um, but definitely like class projects, um, 
also just in our cohorts. So our first semester, we were divided into four cohorts. And there's like an MBA challenge where the cohorts are competing against each other. And it's everything from creating a viral video to um, like different, like a costume competition. There were all these like very fun, but very competitive competitions where you just got to know people really well. You were sort of in the trenches with them. Um, Whether it was like, you know, doing actual work on an actual thing in the world or whether it was doing something totally made up and fun. Yeah. And I was, that was the thing I was going to comment on. And I think you touched on it with the launch pad activity as well. You know, when you're spending, you know, 15 hours a week outside of the classroom with folks mm-hmm. um, for better or for worse, you're spending a lot of time with them. Right. Yeah. Um, and so it is a chance to get to know them. Um, uh, in a, uh, so hopefully in a good way, sometimes not so much, but, but no, like, you know, and I think that is one of the things about business school that is unique in the sense that you're thrown into this environment around people who at a high level share similar values. Um, you're all doing, going to go to some, or trying to get to a different, you know, end goal, but like directionally it's, it's all the same. Mm-hmm. Um, and then under normal times, you're all physically in the same space. Yeah. And so I think it just is a breeding ground in a lot of ways for, to cultivate those relationships. If you're, if, if that's, you know, a priority for you. Um, yeah. And so, and then the other thing that kind of stuck out to me that you mentioned earlier, when you talk about values, right. Um, you know, when you do get to work on something like that or a project that is of interest to you or that's uh, engaging to you or that's a passion of yours and you get to work on it with other people who share that um, but who also share similar values to you, I think that it kind of is like a force multiplier in terms of like your either engagement to it or like your willingness to commit to it or and just your general excitement with it. Um, when you get to share that, you know, in a way that's much bigger than just like yourself. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, okay. So one of the things, you know, as we talked about is just, you're in this environment for two years, you're seeing people all the time, whether it's in the classroom or outside of it, in some cases traveling around the world or doing all these things. And then at the end of it, you walk across the stage, you get this diploma and you get thrown out to the quote unquote real world. Mm -hmm. So you, you go from being in this environment where you're around 240 other people, you know, pretty much every single day, you build all these relationships with all these great people and spent that you spent all this time with. And then everyone kind of goes in their separate ways, right? You know, and they go on their different tracks. And so I'm curious, knowing how much time you spent with other people and building all these relationships, you know, how was the transition when you, after you graduated in terms of keeping up with these relationships and things like that? Yeah, I mean, I think, I would say it's like less of a stark transition for a lot of people at Haas. Um, because we're based in the Bay Area, something like 75% of the class stays in the Bay Area. And also a really large portion of the class works part-time second year. So, and I was in that situation. I interned during my MBA summer. I then worked 10 hours a week my second year for the startup that I then was going to work for. Um, And so I not only like didn't have to move apartments, but I also wasn't really moving companies. I was going from like three quarters of my time being school to, you know, hundred percent of my time being work. So there were, definitely a transition there, but very few of my close friends moved at all um, housing wise. So it was really easy. Um, You know, over the next few years, people started to move. um, But it was really easy the first couple years, it didn't feel that different, actually, Um, which I think is a really different experience. Um, You know, when I was looking at schools, and it was part of the part of the reason that I chose Haas, to be honest. 
um, when I was deciding between schools, I was considering other schools um, where I knew I wouldn't stay where they were located. And I knew that definitely I would go in a different direction than most of my classmates. And I think those are like two very different kinds of experiences. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, for context too, right? So for me, like I moved 3,000 miles from mm -hmm. North Carolina to, uh, to San Francisco. And I had some, I definitely had, you know, good share of classmates who did something similar, right? In terms of yeah. folks to tech. But um, uh, it's probably a little bit different than staying in your own backyard or, you know, yeah. moving to a different town in the Bay Area. So I think that makes sense. Um, I am interested to hear a little bit more, though, in the sense of one of the other things, at least that I've found, um, at least, um, and, you know, I, for when many MBA students kind of graduate from um, from business school, they're they're kind of, you know, somewhere between the ages of, you know, 27 to 32, 33, 34, whatever, give or take. Mm -hmm. um, so th those are not only prime years, um, you know, for uh, working in your career, but those are also formative years in terms of building your own relationships, whether those are platonic or um, romantic or, or whatever, um, whatever they may be. And so I'm just curious, when you even just staying in the Bay Area, what do you, what was it like, do you think, for either yourself or your classmates who mm -hmm. were for, in this environment where they had built in relationships there to like being in this environment now where they have to, you know, amongst their, career which clearly they're committed to because they went to business school they have yeah. to try to like fit that in when you know you can't just simply like you know text the group whatsapp of like what's going on or like where are we going to this weekend or like things like that like what what was that experience like either for you or what you witnessed from you know your your classmates or your peers yeah i mean i will say at least for us there is definitely that whatsapp culture still i mean i'm five years out more than five years out now um and we have well until COVID, there sure. was like a monthly Friday lunch in Soma in the city. Yeah. Um, and there was an East Bay WhatsApp group where people would like meet up for beers, le le you know, more occasional um, than the monthly Friday lunch. But there's definitely some of that that's like big group setting. But I definitely think the big difference going from while you're in school till after is that while you're in school, both because of just like, you're physically together on campus, but also the nature of like the social activities. Um, you're interacting with larger groups of people who are not necessarily just your close friends. Um, versus I think after business school, you really transition to seeing, you know, it's more of like working adult life, um, social life. Um, for me, I'm really social and I also have worked remotely for the last few years. And so I tend to like, I mean, my, my Haas friends are the core of my group of friends in the Bay Area. I have, I do have some other non-Haas friends. Um, but, you know, at, at least four nights a week, I probably have dinner with, with Haas friends um, pre-coronavirus, probably five nights a week. And now it's, it's, you know, probably a little less than that, but not that different. It's just outside. Sure. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think, what was great for you is that in some respects you had that community that you were able to take with you. Mm -hmm. um, and some people have that and some people don't. And, you know, I right. think again, putting my being selfish here for, for me, it was sure. moving, moving here from that far away. And, you know, I had friends, I had some friends who lived out here, but um, you know, it, it, one of the things that I've talked to other folks about um, particularly if they move to somewhere that is a new location is, um, they went from having this built-in environment to having to cultivate it 
on their own. And yeah. Certainly having to like, um, uh, it's doable for sure. And it's, mm-hmm. um, and, but number one, you have to make a priority of it. Um, yeah. And number two, for many MBAs, uh, graduates who are working demanding jobs, mm-hmm. you know, finding the time to do that is not always easy. And yeah. look, I, I was a consultant after business school. I'm not looking for a pity party, but like, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it was fine. Like it was great. It was my choice, but like it, you know, that, that is a, that was something that I saw a lot of my classmates who were also consultants, um, you know, struggle with, right. In terms of like, yeah. well, I'm in this new place. I have this new job. That's really important, but people are important to me. Relationships are important to me. How do I, how do I juggle this or how do I, how do I manage this? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I also think for a lot of people, um, you know, going from an environment where a small number of people are doing the social organizing, but it's sort of built into the environment versus, you know, like we had bar night every Thursday. It was a different bar. Right. There was someone in charge of assigning what bar it was. You didn't have to plan it to, you know, when you come out of business school, suddenly if you want to see people, you have to reach out and you have to make it happen. And to your point, uh-huh. it's like, you're in a new job in some of those jobs, you're traveling a lot. Um, and it's, you know, it's just a different getting those social interactions and having those social, that social calendar does take more effort once you're out of business school. Absolutely. Um, so I have a, I have a friend group and, um, we've become friends over the past few years cause we all worked at, uh, Deloitte together, mm-hmm. but, uh, they they would probably say that I'm the ringleader of it. Um, Mm -hmm. But part of the reason why was because to your point, like there wasn't anyone here who was going to organize that. And so I kind of like took it on as like, all right, well, I might as well just be that, be that person. Uh, And uh, to the point of that, like we have a weekly zoom call to stay in touch and like the zoom call literally is called my last name. It's like, it's called my last name like literally called D and associates because <laughs> they believe that I'm the, the one who organized it and put it together. Um, so I want to drill in on something and talk about one of the real reasons why I, I wanted to have you come on, which is around um, uh, relationship building, but within the sense of romantically and, and dating, right. And, yeah. and, and business school and MBAs and, and dating, um, you know, similarly as we've, I've uh, hammered home a couple of times um, when you're in an MBA job, particularly after business school, don't have a lot of time for relationships period, but you, you know, are one of those people who absolutely cares about their career, but, you know, wants to have a partner, a life partner as well. Um, that can be a hard challenge to kind of navigate uh, through. And so just would love to hear your thoughts just from what you've seen, just from, you know, you and your peers um, and uh, just kind of how that's, you know, played out uh, after graduating. Yeah. Well, I guess I would say, um, Definitely during business school, a lot of people dated each other. I think mm-hmm. at the end of business school, a 10% of our class was in relationships with other MBAs. Yeah. yeah. It was like really high percentage. Yeah. Um, I've been to several house weddings, several yeah. house babies. Um, <laughs> so, you know, that said, I think that, um, you know, some of those relationships didn't work outside of that context. Not everybody stayed together. and. And I think similarly to what you're describing with social life after, you know, after business school, it takes effort. You have to carve out the time and it has to be a priority. And depending on what else is going on for you career wise and socially and family wise, like that can be easier or hard depending on your situation. And and I think there's also one of the things that I've seen in my group of friends too, is just like 
for people, I'm, I'm an extrovert. Um, I don't love spending a lot of time with strangers, but like dating isn't like an exhausting thing to me. Um, versus for friends who are introverts, who at least before coronavirus were like in an office all day with other people, um, they're sort of exhausted and want downtime and alone time at the end of the day. And it's hard to then create both social time and dating time, I think outside of that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that I think that makes a lot of sense. And I, um, I, I definitely can, uh, def it definitely resonates with me and my experience with my classmates who definitely had have some uh, uh, Tar Heel babies for sure. Um, definitely yeah. some classmates who got married and the like. Um, and no, I mean, I think that, um, you know, again, you know, from my experience, you know, having worked in consulting where, um, you know, if you, it, consulting can split you in two ways. One, if you are married and have, or, you know, have a partner or have kids and you're in consulting, it wreaks all sorts of havoc in terms of having quote unquote, a normal life. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're not, it wreaks havoc in different ways. And one of the ways that I've seen sometimes people struggle is uh, for people who are in a formative, you know, definitive, formative section of their life, trying to figure things out. Um, when you're devoting so much time to your career, sometimes it's, it's hard to make time for other important things, whether that is building that community of platonic friends or finding a, finding a partner. Right. And so yeah. juggling, you know, um, uh, how do you juggle things that you know are important to you in your life with, you know, a finite amount of time is always kind of like um, a struggle, particularly when, um, you know, like to your point, like some people are pretty good at, if they want to be social, they know how to do it. But sometimes like, you know, um, and I think something we may have talked about before, it's like, when you're coming out of college, right? Or like, how, how would you find out about social activities, right? It's like, well, someone always knew someone who was, you know, going to bring people together, right? Through some yeah. sort of like party or some house party or something like that. Um, yeah. And as you get older, um, at least in the circles I am in, and those aren't, those opportunities don't happen nearly as much. Or in some cases, you don't want to necessarily, no offense to anyone who wants to, but like, you don't always want to do those kinds of things, right? Like you, you're looking at other other opportunities. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so on that notion, one of the things that um, I believe you started uh, maybe a little bit over a year ago, I could be wrong on time timing here, but uh, is uh, something called uh, Hinge IRL. Uh, so mm -hmm. talk to me a little bit about that and the inspiration for it and like what what was it? Yeah. So really to your point, it was, that was really our inspiration is that in your thirties, you really stop needing, I mean, a lot of the socializing is happening over dinner or drinks like one-on-one -on -one or small groups. There's less of um, like just broad going out to bars. And then there's also less house parties where you're meeting your friends of your friends. And it really started with an idea of how could you, meet your friends of your friends for dating. A few of us were sitting around at dinner one night chatting about how frustrating online dating can be. And like, we can get lots of dates, but finding the right people and having like high quality is really hard. Um, and finding, and especially I think finding people who share values feels challenging. Um, and so we came up with this idea to host an in-person event last fall and with two weeks notice, we sent out an email to a bunch of single friends and 
asking them to come and a bunch of partnered friends to ask them to share it with single people they knew. And within two weeks, we had over 100 people signed up for this event. And we just got a bunch of people together at a bar, gave some prompt questions to help conversations flow. And people loved it. It was, I mean, overall, people were like, this was amazing. There were lots of dates that came out of it. Um, And people just had a lot of fun. And it felt like very different than the endless slog of like swiping and messaging and going on lots of first dates. And, um, you know, I think all of us who've done online dating have the experience of you message with someone, you get excited, you then meet up in person. And within like three minutes, you know, you're not interested. Um, and, and it takes, you know, especially when first dates were in person, you're like getting ready, you're going wherever you're going, you're spending the time there, you're spending the money. It's like a lot of investment versus going to an event where you can just interact with a lot of people, see who you click with, and then take it from there. Um, and even if it was a five minute conversation and you go on a first date after that and there's, there's not interest, it's not like you're like really surprised at their personality or your inability to, you know, have a conversation together because you've already interacted before that first, that first date. Yeah. And first off, kudos to you and your friends for organizing that and for taking uh, an action that I think many people wish their friend group would start for Mm -hmm. them. So I think that's really great and, and certainly provides a great alternative to some of the options that are available through online dating apps. I'm curious from, you know, getting feedback, you know, from people who attended, what were the things that they appreciated most about it? Or like, what were the things that were they either initiated them to wanting to sign up um, or that they really, that really resonated with them outside of obviously, you know, looking for dates, but yeah. yeah. I mean, I think one, it's like just to enter a space where everyone who's there is single and wants to be dating. You're not like, even at a house party, you're talking to a friend of a friend and like, 20 minutes into a conversation and they like bring up a partner and you're like, Oh, well, um, you know, it's like that can happen too. Um, and so you just, you know, everyone who's there like one is looking for a relationship and, and, um, and I think also there was just like a quality component that people felt like, yeah. Oh, yeah, these are the friends of my friends. They're somewhat pre-vetted. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just felt really different than, um, you know, going, going on to these sites where it's like representative of everybody and there's like no filter. And, um, yeah. So I think those were the, those were two things. And then some people even said things like even the people they didn't click with, they had good conversations. So again, that's a quality thing, but they also felt like these are people that they may have, um, gone on a date with and now they don't need to. Um, But then the flip side happened too, which I think um, one of the things that we really, I think anybody who's doing online dating experiences is like, it's very, you're like looking at a picture and a lot of the judgment you're making is based on a photograph. And like our attraction and our chemistry is not what we expect. And so we did get a bunch of feedback from people from the in-person event that um, they, they talked to people and they went out with people that they might not have gone out with if they had sure. been dating. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I can see that um, the, uh, if your first interaction with someone is not their dating profile, um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, which can sometimes bring out some of the unconscious bias that whether you real, I mean, you don't realize you're yeah. 
versus the inner and the face-to-face interaction, which could, you know, potentially limit that. So I, I think that totally, I think that it makes a lot of sense. And I know you would have loved to have continued with it, but then COVID happened. So it's a little hard to bring people together in person, uh, as we know. Um, so you have this new thing that you've done. So talk a little bit about the Quarantine Love Project. You know, what is it? Um, tell us more about it and how is it going so far? Yeah, so that's exactly right. We were, we were actually planning our next event um, for April and um, had built, we had about 200 people on our list for the Bay Area. And it, it was quickly becoming clear. Originally, we were like, we'll wait till this is over, um, as we all sort of thought in March. <laughs> and then, Wishful thinking. Yeah, wishful thinking. Um, and then, you know, pretty quickly, we we're like, okay, it's going to be a while. We're not all actually going to put off dating until this is over. Um, so we thought about a few different ways that we could connect people. We thought about doing, um, like a big zoom speed dating thing, but the logistics of that, it sounds easy, but it's actually not that easy because there's a variety of, um, of different sexual orientations in the group. There's also like, even amongst straight people, um, there's not even gender ratios. And so it felt like doing actually like a zoom call would be very complicated. Um, So we instead decided to do like matchmaking for mini, we call it mini video dates. Um, So people signed up for the Quarantine Love Project and and filled out just a little bit of information about themselves, about what they're looking for, a little bit about their their own personality. We asked a few different questions and then we did matchmaking. We give people usually up to five matches Um, And we're just connecting people via email saying we think you guys um, should have a mini date. And then it's on them to take it from there. And we suggest a 20 minute video date. We give some prompt questions, but it's a totally blind date. People don't have photographs. We actually don't even see photographs of them. Um, And they don't have any information. So it's really much more like the experience of walking up to somebody in a bar or walking up to somebody in a friend's house party. And it is, it's, it's a friend of a friend or a friend of a friend of a friend. Um, and yeah, and so far there's been a lot of interest. We've had over 500 people sign up. We expanded to other cities. We're now also doing matches in New York and DC and we're getting tons of people signing up every day. It's been really fun. And we have from the first, I guess we've been doing it for six or eight weeks at this point from the first round of matches, we have people who are on date four or five. Um, and those are just like the people that we're friends with. Um, I think there are other people in the pool that haven't told us that they're dating people still. Um, but it's been really fun. And the, the feedback has been really positive. People are, are loving it. Um, just like the ease of not having to swipe and just getting the match um, and getting a date from there. So, yeah. I think that's really great. And, um, uh, and, you know, I think that the, it was a great pivot, if you will, um, in terms of being able to go online, but in, or to navigate this through online, but to your point, and part of the reason why I brought you on to talk about this in general, right. Uh, just because COVID hit didn't, you know, kind of deny our, you know, our people's general desires to, you know, want to be connected with others. And in this case, romantically. Right. And so, yeah. Um, you know, that very much is still alive and well, and there's a desire for it. And certainly everyone's kind of got their own feelings towards the what mechanisms of 
dating apps, but like realistically in these times it is mm-hmm. one of the safe ways to like meet people. But this is another alternative in, uh, in some form uh, to be able to engage with others. And then I think the other thing that stands out to me a little bit at least is that um, in many ways, like, you know, with a dating app, you, you use a dating app, but this to me, and you can, I'm curious to hear what you think, but this to me is, isn't just an app, it's a community, right? Or it's, yeah. it's like almost an organization or an affiliation, right? One of those words, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I don't, you know, I don't necessarily like identify, like I'm not like team dating app, right? <laughs> but like, I, you know, I would be willing to want to, um, you know, tell someone about um, this um, in a much different way than I would be care to, you know, uh, to do the same thing for a brand, a, a brand of a dating app. Right. And so, yeah, I think there's an element of that, or at least I feel that way. I'm not sure. I'm curious what you think, but, um, or maybe what other people have said, but I almost feel an affiliation to wanting to try to further that as a result of result of that. It feels like being a part of something. So, yeah, well, and that it's, it's true because ultimately we can, you know, through our own networks, we can only find so many people and really we're completely reliant and, and especially outside of the Bay area, you know, we're, we're in New York and DC where I know a few people, but I'm not going to be able to like fill a whole dating pool. So it's, we're really reliant on every single person who signs up to spread the word to the people they know. And ultimately they're sort of building this pool of like, it's, they don't need to be sharing it with people who they want to date, but they can be sharing it with, their friends who they're like, Oh, this person is a catch. Someone should date them. Um, yeah. 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 Okay. So this is, this is great. This is exciting. So I know you've expanded quite a bit, but you know, what's kind of on the radar for, for you guys next, you know, what, what's, what's yeah. what plans do you have? Yeah. So I think a big focus for us now is really figuring out, um, we've had a lot more straight women than straight men sign up. So we're, we're trying to figure out how to reach men and how to get the word out. And um, so that's, that's actually like a big focus for us right now. And especially, um, you know, in these three cities, there are different dynamics, but in New York, we're, we're figuring out that we, we need to do more outreach and like, what does that look like? And so we're talking to more members there um, and we're just continuing to build the pools and get feedback um, and, and we're also looking at like how many are the right number of matches for people. Um, if we give people too many matches, then if something doesn't work out with them, like if we give you one match and then you don't connect with the match or you connect and there's not chemistry, it's much more disappointing. Uh, but if we give you too many matches, it's actually like hard to follow up with everyone and make it happen. So we're trying to find like, what is, what is that right number? Um, but yeah, it's pretty, it's exciting. We've done over 600 matches so far. Wow. Um, which is exciting just to think about, you know, at the outset, we were like, if one relationship comes out of this, it's a success. Sure. And now it feels like, oh, that's like shooting way too low. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got to aim higher. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And remind me again, what cities? So you said New York, DC, and? And the Bay Area. Bay Area. Okay. So um, for all the people who listen to this, who are in those cities, if you are single or if you know someone who's single, um, where should they, where can they find you? Yeah, you can go to www.quarantineloveproject.com and there's, there's more info there, um, but also you can just go directly to the Match Me page and fill out the info and get a match. That's great. Um, 
part of the reason why I brought you on is because I, number one, I wanted to amplify the work that you're doing because I think it's excellent. But the other thing is, is that I think to me, what I take, one of the things I take away from this is that the community that you build in business school, um, once you leave it, it doesn't have to leave you. Right. And so, um, and certainly there's people who are involved in this, who went to business school, but plenty who, who didn't, but to me, what you're doing in many ways is replicating some of the things that, um, you did when you were in business school and are with other people who share similar interests or values and the like. And so I think it's great that of what you've been able to do and particularly around what I said, just in terms of really building something that does feel like a community and not just um, an app. And then also um, solves a very thorny problem that many people <laughs> would like to find the answer for. Um, yes. So, um, so Julia, thank you so much for being on here and uh, uh, thank you for sharing a little bit more about everything that you're working on. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This was a really fun conversation. Hi, everyone. LD here. And thank you so much for listening to the MBA Insider Podcast. If you liked what you heard, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and to write a review. It will only take 15 seconds. I'd also love to hear what you've been listening to on the podcast and any suggestions you have for how we can improve. Find me on LinkedIn or head over to mbaschooled.com backslash podcast.